0: Good morning. It's on. Good morning. Oh, that's better. Is everybody listening? Don't make me keep you in at break. Okay. Anybody else have an absolute pig of a week? Oh my days. I've had an awful week. Absolute nightmare. Work's been a nightmare. I haven't slept very well. Apparently, I'm terrible at teaching maths after teaching it for 11 years, so that was a bit of a a shock. I've put on three pounds, but Arsenal are still top of the table, and God still loves me, so. So all is well. I'm Gail, and I'm gonna be leading the first part of our service. But before we start I would like to ask the stewards, I can't see Fox, to take up our offering please and uh, invite you to take this moment to have a chat with the person next to you and say hi. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, we are in a position to come here this morning and that we are in a position to be able to give back to you some of the money that you enable us to earn. Father, we pray that this token of our love to you will be used to further your kingdom in a way that is pleasing to you. Amen. Amen. continue to pray just before we start to worship dear loving lord i'm feeling stress i'm worried too many things occupy my mind won't you help me show me lord your order and your plans eternal let me trust in your will alone your word tells me where there is love there is no fear So let me be filled with your love, the perfect love that tells me I am not condemned, but I am saved. I can do all things through you. You strengthen me in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship our Lord together.
1: As we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord our God. upon the Lord we will wait
0: not even begin to imagine how amazing you are, how wonderful you are, how much you love us and what you have in store for us.
1: than all we ask, than all we seek, all our hopes and dreams, you are immeasurably more than we can know, than we can pray, all our Sing that first verse again. You are more you are more you're more than we can imagine you are more you are more you're more than we can
0: As we move through this season of Lent, we focus on our final journey and our (coughs) resolution in Easter Sunday.
1: the Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse
0: Praise the Lord. your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you, Isaiah 41. I see you there in the shattering you, looking for you, seeking yourself in the can't cope of it, the never-ending weary of it. I see you, desperate for your soul to be more solid to be found amid the pantheon of the real, I see you, wondering if God is just the translucence of a dream, I have been there in the lostness, I have tangled with the shadows, I will tell you, won't you know it, something is reaching for your hand.
1: Upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail, and there I find you in the mystery in oceans deep. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one of creation. The stars were made to worship, so will a million different ways. Every precious one and child you died to save. If you gave your
0: For a minute, our reading today is Psalm nine, and um, these words in front of me are from the NLT. I will praise you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all the marvellous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. My enemies retreated, they staggered and died when you appeared. For you have judged in my favour. From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemy is finished. In endless ruins, the cities you uprooted are now forgotten. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer, Lord, have mercy on me. See how my enemies torment me, snatch me back from the jaws of death. Save me so I can praise you publicly at Jerusalem's gates, so I can rejoice that you have rescued me. The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others. Their own feet have been caught in the trap they set. The Lord is known for his justice The wicked are trapped by their own deeds. The wicked will go down to the grave. This is the fate of all the nations who ignore God. But the needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. Arise, O Lord, do not let mere mortals defy you. Judge the nations. Make them tremble in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know they are merely human going to pray for ben as he comes up father we thank you that um, ben is with us today we ask your blessing on lcc and uh, we ask that his words today would be a blessing to us all and bring glory to your name amen
2: Great stuff. Thank you very much. Good to see you all this morning. Thank you, Gail, for your very great reading of that psalm. It's probably some of you thinking, right, well, where are we going this morning? Um, so that's cool. So we will unpack that a little bit this morning. I particularly want to talk about um, the whole sense of injustice and God's heart for justice that we see coming through in that psalm and we see coming through in the Bible. Now let me, uh, that applies to both kind of what we see in, in society, but also like a personal application for us as well. But let me just start kind of by asking you a question. What makes you angry? Go on, tell me, what, what makes you angry? Cyclists on the bridge path, yep, okay, fair enough. Politicians, okay, yep. Yeah. What makes you angry? Kids in your class, okay, yeah, fair enough. Bullies, sorry? Quite a few things, okay. We can write a list, that's fine. So, loads of things. Anything else? Anything else that makes you angry? Okay, that seems like it's deeply personal. There is a prayer space available afterwards. Um, We'll pray for resurrection of your pan and the vegetables um, afterwards. We believe God intervenes in many ways. So, yeah, there's lots of things that make us angry, isn't there? There's lots of things that kind of stir up emotion, and injustice actually is something that should make us angry. It makes us angry for all of us I think. What we see in society, the injustice that we see taking place around us, um, and also stuff that we can experience ourselves personally when we're on the end of some kind of injustice. That makes us angry as well. I don't know, you probably watch TV programs where it's even watching the news sometimes and you see a terrible situation where someone is the victim of a great injustice. It stirs something up in you doesn't it? That thinks that's not right, that's not okay. Or if you're on the receiving end of something in your own life where you just think, that's not fair, that's not right how I've been treated or how I've been, what's happened to me. It it stirs up something in us that is of anger. And we can see in that psalm that, that Gail read, we can see that how that actually is the same thing for God. That actually there's something in his heart where he gets angry when he sees injustice taking place. So in that psalm, it talks, doesn't it, in verse 4, about how he upholds our cause and he's the righteous judge. So there's a sense where God is the perfect judge over the, all of the universe. It talks about how he's established his throne for judgment, that actually part of the reason that he's in charge is to cast judgment on the world. It says he judges the people with equity, so you know he, can, he, he does it right. He's not biased in any way. He says he doesn't forsake those who seek him. So there's a sense here, isn't there? We can see God's heart that he's not an unapproachable kind of judge, but actually he's one who, anyone who seeks him, that he will never turn them away. Verse 12 says that he avenges blood and never ignores the cries of the afflicted. Verse 16 says he's known by his acts of justice. And in verse 18, he says he never forgets the needy or the afflicted. I think, I think it's an amazing psalm. I think when you start thinking about how God's character is like that, I think it's incredibly comforting to know that God hates injustice in the world. He's the perfect judge of all things. So when he sees injustice taking place in the world, he's not, not just a kind of, a, a, kind of a, a God on the clouds that's a bit like, oh yeah, okay, Well, that's not great, is it? Do you mean there's something like, he avenges blood. You know, there's a, whoa, it gets him, it's like that kind of mama bear kind of thing, you know, he's stopped messing with my cubs. It's that kind of thing, isn't it, where God, there's something stirs in him when he sees it. And we see it in the world that as humans, human beings generally hate injustice because we're made in God's image. So if God has that heart about injustice, then we see it in humans, don't we? We see people uh, uh, hating injustice. Charities are formed. People are campaigning because they hate injustice. And as Christians, I think we should hate it more than average because we're in God's sons and daughters. So there's a sense where all humans will hate it because we're made in his image, so we reflect something of God's heart. But as Christians, there should be something even more burning in our heart because we're actually in his family and there's a sense where we should be reflecting him even more. So injustice is all around us um, and it's in God's heart to, to do something about injustice. And I want to just kind of highlight the kind of ways I think that this kind of really should be expressed in us as God's people, both how we see society in dealing with the injustices there, but also how we respond to injustices that we've received and experienced ourselves. So let's just look at for a moment at the injustice that we see across our society. I've got a few kind of statistics here that will just kind of highlight just certain areas where actually it should stir something in our hearts. So these are all about the UK in itself, okay, so talking about sexual assaults in the UK, each year One in four women, one in six children, and one in 20 men are sexually assaulted in the UK. That's not okay, is it? In London, young black males are 19 times more likely to be stopped and searched in London than their white counterparts. It's not okay, is it? £35 billion a year is lost in tax evasion and fraud in the UK. That's not okay. Yet, someone who's on universal credit might miss a phone call and they get sanctioned for three months because actually they've missed the phone call. Yet, £35 billion is lost in tax evasion and fraud every year. That's not okay, is it? That's an injustice there. Women, on average, are paid 8% less than men for doing the same work in the UK. It's not okay. Life expectancy is nine years lower in the most deprived areas of the UK compared to the most affluent is that okay? Poverty premium. So people who are living, 7 million people in the UK that live in poverty, on average pay around £500 pounds or more for things like insurance, credit, energy and food because they're in poverty, therefore their premiums and stuff are higher. We've seen recently the whole thing with the, with the prepayment meters, haven't we? About how not only, uh, I mean, the, the the scandal is that energy companies are going and forcing people onto prepayment meters, but the tariff that you pay on a prepayment meter is higher than the average tariff for the rest of us. So if you're actually in a situation where you're struggling, you're having to use a prepayment meter, you're paying more than the rest of us. That's not right, is it? None of these things are okay, and I hope that in some of those things do you think, wow, that's not okay. Because there's something in our heart, because it's in God's heart, that rises up when we hear about injustice, and that should make us angry. There should be something in us that says, that isn't okay. These things are on our doorstep, let alone thinking about all the other injustices that we haven't looked at around the world. I mean, it's it's staggering. There should be something in us that says, this isn't okay. And that Psalm, Psalm 9, tells us that if you think you're angry about it, you should see what God feels about it. Because he really, really doesn't like the injustice that he says. He hates injustice. He hears the cry of the afflicted, and he avenges for them. And he will deliver fair and perfect judgment on those people who are bringing injustice to his people and to people around the world. And therefore, I I strongly believe that as Christians, those of us who are Christians here this morning, we should be at the forefront of fighting social injustice in our society. I genuinely believe that. And we see that in church history, can't we? We can see that many big social changes have taken place because Christians have risen up and done something about it. Not exclusively, of course. Like I said, there's many, many people that wouldn't call themselves Christians that have done amazing things socially. But there's also many Christians who have stood up and and fought against the social injustices that they've seen. And I think we should be doing that because we are God's people and therefore we're here to reflect his heart to the world. Therefore, if God hates it, we should hate it. If God wants to do something about it, then we should want to do something about it. It says in Proverbs 31 and verses 8 to 10, It says that we should speak out on behalf of the voiceless and for the rights of all who are vulnerable. Speak out in order to judge with righteousness and to defend the needy and the poor. Part of the call of us as God's people is to give a voice to the voiceless. That's, that's what it says in, in Psalm. that's what God's heart is, that actually we're here to speak on behalf of those who are unable to speak for themselves, who haven't got the opportunity, who haven't, aren't taken seriously, or maybe they're actually in a position where because they aren't able to have a voice, that they're just left, in, you know, to one side to kind of suffer in silence, as it were. But we as God's people, because God does, are called to have a voice to those who don't have a voice. We can't just uh, avoid it as Christians. We can't just kind of bury our head in our sand, in the sand, or we can't even just live in a little bubble and think, oh, well, yeah, yeah, that, that oh, that's terrible, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but we're, we're okay and live in this bubble. That actually, that, we can't get away with that. Because actually, even, there's a different talk altogether, but if you read in Matthew 25, Jesus says that one of the ways that he's going to be able to determine whether people are genuine Christians on the Day of Judgment is how they treated the poor and the needy in society. That's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) It's not very cheerful so far. There's hope that comes. But the point is, there's something, as Christians, we cannot, as God's church, as the people of God, we cannot just sit back and leave it to other people. That we should be at the forefront of speaking out about injustice and doing something about it. The the God's call is on us to do something about what we see and the injustice in the world. How do we do it? Well, you might think, well, it's fine, but I can't do much about some of those things. You know, I haven't got much of a voice myself. Yes, I agree, but together we have an ability to do something. The first thing is just opening our eyes to the injustices that we see. If If you're on social media at all, if you're on Twitter or Facebook or any of those kind of things, Instagram, who do you follow on those things? Do you just follow people like you? Or people you'd like to be like? Or do you, do you think, actually, I could open my eyes to some of the stuff out there. Do you maybe find some Christian charities on there, like the Trussell Trust, like CAP, like Jubilee Plus, I'm involved with, and, and other charities, Christian Aid. And you think, actually, I'm going to put myself, I'm going to start following some of these things. I want to hear some of the stuff that's going on in the world. Do you, do you look at the news? You know, you might think, oh, I don't like looking at the news, it's bad news, it always makes me depressed. Okay, fine. Um, I know we have to kind of manage our content that we put into our lives. But actually, sometimes just sitting and watching the news or reading something uh, on a reputable website, I think, actually, I want to see some of the stuff that's going on in this world. I don't want to just bury my head in some kind of Christian bubble. I actually want to see what's going on, because this isn't right. And And I want almost to expose myself a little bit to what is going on. That's maybe the first step. The next step might be volunteering and getting stuck into some of the projects that you guys run. I think, actually, I no longer just want to, to, to be aware about it and pray about it, but actually I want to put my feet on the ground and get involved with stuff. What can I do in my small little way to help one person who maybe hasn't got a voice? How can I help them in their situation? And there's so many ways that we can support and get involved in any kind of anti-poverty kind of charities that are Christian, that are working in marvellous ways. You think, how can I get involved? God, maybe your first thing is, Lord, I don't know where to start, but would you help me to take some steps to showing your heart towards those in society who are on the receiving end of injustice? Maybe even this morning that's your first step, is just to pray that prayer. But injustice isn't just an issue out there, is it? It's not just an issue kind of in society. It's also something we often experience for ourselves. So God's heart is to deal with society injustice, and I think how we deal with that is huge. Social injustice is a massive issue for us as Christians to have a voice on. But actually, we all can be on the receiving end of injustice in our own lives, can't we? And there's got to be hope for us as well. The message of the gospel isn't just hope for for the world. It's actually hope for us as followers of Christ as well. You might have been on the receiving end of some of these injustices in your lives or different ones. Now, clearly, there's some very serious injustice you might have been on the receiving end, like abuse, that we need professional help to recover from. If you've never sought that kind of help and you've, there's something gone on in your life that you need to have help with, then the pastoral team here, please go and speak to them, speak to your leaders. These aren't things that we can just kind of... Um, brush under the carpet we need help to recover from serious injustices that have been done to us and I know these guys here would love to support you and help you in that. Maybe there's been criminal acts that you've been on the receiving end that you've never reported again it might be that actually you need some help and support to bring those things out into the light you know our church context must be a safe place where we can help bring things out and find healing and recovery in the right and the most appropriate way. But for the majority of us, actually, there are day-to-day kind of injustices that are of a lower magnitude than some of those things, but they still have a big effect on us, don't they? Maybe if you've been misrepresented, maybe you've been mistreated, maybe you've been overlooked by other people or family or things at work or even within church, then actually those things hurt us, don't they? They have a huge impact on us. You're left feeling that wasn't fair. Have you ever been on the receiving end of something where you think that wasn't fair? We have, haven't we? We all have in so many different ways. Even this morning, Gail, you saying You've left feeling this week that you are rubbish at teaching Mass. That's not fair, is it? Because it's not true. <laughs> no, but it's not true. It's not fair, is it? And they're, they're kind of things where we can brush off and we can laugh, but they hurt, don't they? They have an impact on us. And there's got to be hope in, in the Gospel, in the hope in what Jesus tells us, that Dealing with injustice isn't just something we deal with out there, which we really, really should do much better than we do, but actually it's something that should bring us freedom as well. God's heart for injustice should bring us freedom so we can do that even better because we're not stuck in it ourselves. We also have to accept that we can cause that feeling of injustice in other people, in relationships. I know I have in times. People have gone away from things I've done and said and think that's not fair how he's treated me, what he's done. We have to own that as well, don't we? It's not always just something that's done to us, but sometimes we're responsible for what we do to other people as well. And whenever you're on the receiving end of some kind of injustice like that, a sense where that wasn't fair, that wasn't right, there's a a real temptation I know for myself, and I'm sure for true for you, that we can get stuck in that place of feeling it's not fair, I've been treated badly, I'm the victim in this situation. And, And it's probably true, you were a victim. But how many times do we find come across people who are just stuck in that place for years and years and years? A sense where you can't get past that kind of injustice that's been done to you. That sense where you've got held in a place where emotionally you can't move on from it because you're just drawn back into this place. No matter what you do, you get drawn back into this place where you're feeling sorry for yourself and feeling like this just isn't fair, this isn't right, and you just can't step away or break free. You're not free yourself. It doesn't affect the person that did the injustice to you, but it locks you up because you're just stuck in this circle of going round and round all the time. Yeah? You can relate to that. I'm sure either you feel like that at times in your life or you know other people where we can get stuck in this place where we just feel what was done to me was wrong but I can't break free of it. I can't break free of it. What's what's the hope for us? If God hates injustice, he hates injustice that's done to people and that includes us. He hates what sometimes is done to us as individuals. What's the hope that we have? Well, I think there's two key components that we can find that can bring us freedom from this sense of living where we feel we're stuck in a a place of injustice. And it's so important we get free because then we can help others and help others and bring God's heart to the world around us. There's two key ways that I think we can break free of this feeling in our own lives. The first one is that we should be reassured that everything is seen by God the Father. Everything that takes place in the world is seen by God the Father. Now let me explain this to you through um, a story of injustice that took place in Genesis 16. So back in in the Old Testament, we see Abraham. He was uh, promised by God right in the early days that he would have descendants, many, many descendants, as many descendants as the stars in the sky. But the kind of problem was that him and his wife Sarah remained childless for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, literally hundreds of years, not just metaphorical. You know, they, they lived for a long time back then, um, but that's a different thought altogether. But the fact is they were childless for, for a very, very long time. So they had this great promise from God, but they weren't really seeing it happen in action whatsoever. Um, so Sarah thinks, well, actually, she suggested to Abraham, if I can't bring you a child, if we can't have a child together, then maybe you should have a child with our slave girl, Hagar. That's a way of maybe fulfilling God's promise and, and maybe it wasn't the plan, but you know, we could, she took a, thought actually she'd come up with an alternative plan to what God said. So Abraham had a child with uh, their slave girl, Hagar, um, and once this slave girl was pregnant, tensions grew between Sarah and Hagar, and actually Sarah then ended up mistreating this slave girl, this poor slave girl who was, first of all, she was a slave girl. That's, you know, a few issues there. She then without her consent, um, undoubtedly, was then um, slept with by her master and became pregnant with his child, okay? Quite a lot of injustices going on here. I I don't think she would have been necessarily willing in the whole process. And then she gets mistreated by the woman that suggested this was a good idea. Good scope for feeling sorry for yourself, yeah? Because she's on the receiving end of some severe injustice. The story then in Genesis tells us that Hagar kind of left the home and and she went out into the desert and she met with God quite powerfully by this spring and in a very unique situation God allowed Hagar to give him a name. There's not many people in the Bible that are allowed to give God a name and I think I'm right in saying that she's the only woman that's ever been allowed to give God a name and she gave him the name El Roy which means the God who sees me. What an incredible comfort to her that she knew that even though she was on the receiving end of loads of injustice in this situation, her comfort came from, but you, the righteous judge, you've seen me. You know what's gone on. You've seen it all. You're not taking one person's side of the story. You've seen it all for what it is. And I trust you as the righteous judge to hold me in your hand. That's incredibly comforting, isn't it? To know that he is the God who sees everything. You see, often when you're on the receiving end of injustice, it can make you feel very lonely and not seen by anyone else. Maybe it literally took place in secret and no one else knows. Maybe you just feel that everyone sees one side of the story and not your side of the story. To know that you are seen by God, just as Hagar was, is incredibly comforting. He sees the God who loves you, the God who knows the beginning from the end, The perfect judge of the world sees it, and he will judge impartially on that situation. doesn't mean he'll take your side over the other person's, because actually you might well have contributed to the problem as well. But he sees, and he will judge. That's something we can give to him, isn't it? That's a comfort where we can come to him and say, God, you see, and I can trust you with this situation, because actually you, the righteous judge, will judge perfectly in this situation. He won't ignore your cries. He's known for his acts of justice. And he will fight on the side to execute justice for all of those things. That's the first way that we can actually help deal with some of these injustices ourselves, is we can bring it to God the Father and say, you see, I'm going to trust you with this, I'm going to give it to you, because I know that you will, in the end, no one will get away with anything in the world. That's what the Bible tells us, no one will get away with some injustice. He will bring justice to all situations. So we can be reassured that he sees but the second kind of hope that comes to us if you're on the receiving end of injustice is that we can be helped by Jesus who himself experienced a massive amount of injustice. We know, don't we, that if, if the crucifixion of Jesus was the greatest injustice that's ever taken place on, in all of history. Many people have suffered on the end of miscarriages of justice. Many people have been executed for crimes that they didn't commit. But every single one of those person has committed some offense towards God haven't they we all know that we're all sinful before God no one's perfect on this planet so even though there's been great miscarriages of justice they've all done something wrong at some point in their lives yet Jesus was perfectly sinless in absolutely every way not only was he innocent of the crime they crucified him for which was blasphemy but he's also innocent of any offense ever before God and we know that he, it was part of God's plan and we know all that, but he still was on the receiving end of a massive injustice. If anyone on this in history has ever been, should have been free from that, it was him. But actually he was, was, was crucified for things he hadn't done and he'd never done anything wrong whatsoever. So God the Father can, can understands what it's like to see a loved one go through injustice. Yes, it was part of his plan of salvation and we're so glad that he did it, but actually he still has that feeling and knowing of what it's like. But Jesus knows what it's like to experience injustice. He knows what it's like to be, you know, for things to be said about him that weren't true, for him to be misrepresented and mistreated. He knows what it's like to be killed for crimes that he didn't commit. And that's got to give us a huge amount of hope, hasn't it? If you're on the receiving end of any kind of injustice, however, whatever in that kind of spectrum of it is, to know that Jesus has been through it and walked through it so he can walk you through it as well, is incredibly powerful, isn't it? What was his response? Father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Wow. That's not my response. <laughs> not normally, to be honest. It's normally father sends some lightning bolt down on them and to give them a bit of a shock or a bit, you know, that's that's kind of send unleash the dog, you know. That's but no, Jesus said, Father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's not simple or easy. I don't know, sometimes if someone says to you, you just got to forgive and move on. Well, actually, that's not that easy, is it? That's a journey. That's a journey where some days you do well and some days you do badly. And actually, you need help with that. And I think if our heart is sometimes saying, actually, Lord, I can't do this. I'm struggling to get free of this kind of sense of injustice. Someone's done this hurt to me and I need to get free of it. Actually coming to him saying, Jesus, you've walked this path. Would you take me by the hand and would you walk me through this path? And some days you might stop somewhere and he just sits with you and says, I know you're struggling with it today. And then he moves you on. You see, the hope isn't that we just get stuck in one place. The hope is that he sees us and he can walk us through a place to freedom from that feeling where we maybe just think, I'm stuck in this place. How do I move on emotionally in in this journey? And it's really important that we do move on because if we as God's people are holding offences, if we're stuck in a place of feeling like victims, if we're on the receiving end of injustice and can't break free, then how on earth can we bring this great news and this freedom to the world around us? How on earth can we be the voice to the voices? How on earth can we be the people that, that speak up for those on, uh, on the receiving end of injustice? How on earth can we help people through who have been victims of injustice and abuse if we ourselves are not walking that journey and finding freedom ourselves? You see, this is such a crucial part of God's character that we need to show to the world. The world, if you haven't realized, is a complete mess. Society is in a complete mess. And this is the time for the church to show God to the world. We mustn't hide away. We must actually be that voice to the world, representing him, getting angry about injustice, getting angry about it, but also shining a light, saying, here is the hope for you. Victims of injustice, the church is your natural home. Why? Because Father God sees and he will judge perfectly, And Jesus is one who can walk you through to a place of freedom and healing through salvation and then through walking you through. That's an incredible message to bring, isn't it, to the world, a world that's on the receiving end of stuff to say this is the place of hope because we've walked it, therefore he will walk you through it as well. So just finishing up, Psalm 9, it helps us to understand God a bit more. It it, it helps us to see something of God's character in his heart. It helps us to show how much he hates injustice in the world and he fights on the side of those who are suffering it. It makes him angry. Wouldn't it be amazing if we as God's people showed this heart to the world more and more? Wouldn't it be amazing if there is something in us that actually we became known for that more and more as the natural home of of those who are seeking justice? People actually ran to the church to find refuge, to find help, to find freedom, and to know that there have people that will stand up for them and be their voice. Wouldn't that be incredible if that's what we were known as? Let's pray for God to help us because that's not straightforward, is it? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your heart. We thank you that we have the, the scripture to reveal your heart to us, and we thank you that you are who you are. We thank you that you do hate injustice we thank you that you are the righteous and perfect judge we thank you that you see everything you and you can walk us through to a place of freedom father i just pray for for us i pray for here at london road i pray for these guys that you would stir in them a heart that actually reflects your heart more and more to the world lord i thank you for all they do lord i thank you for the projects and the work they do and the individuals that they connect with in so many ways but Lord, I pray you'd stir in them fresh, a fresh sense of anger, Lord, towards the injustices that they see in the world around them, in their neighborhood, in their streets, Lord, in our town. There would be a sense, Lord, in them that they would say, this is not right and we have the answer. This is not right and we are here to do something about it. Lord, I pray you'd stir in them a heart of compassion for those who are on the receiving end of injustice, Lord, that they would be even fresh, avenues and they that you would bring people into their into their into their world lord that would actually they would have an opportunity to bring the gospel to to show them these people who are the victims of injustice show them the hope that comes from knowing you and the freedom that comes from finding you and, as their savior lord i do pray that you would help and equip us in this lord help us not to be christians who just hide back and live in a bubble but help us to really bring your good news to the world in this way And Lord, I pray you just equip us. Holy Spirit, would you come afresh, even this morning for people maybe who are just feeling that sense of like they're struggling this morning, maybe emotionally with with stuff that's happened in the past in their lives or even stuff that's happened recently. Lord, it might be what we would look at as big stuff or small stuff, but it's had a big impact no matter what it is. Lord, I really pray that you would help them even this morning. They would find a sense of coming back to you afresh, coming back to you and saying, help me with this. Help me to get free. Help me to not be locked into that prison of feeling like I'm a a victim of injustice. But Lord, recognizing they have been a victim, but you can walk them free so that they can help others. Lord, I pray that you would do that even for people this morning. And and I pray that you would give them what they need to walk free and to look to you in every way. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: We have two worship songs to sing um, before we send you on your way. Um, I'm just going to say a few words beforehand. <coughs> Lord, you are our judge and defender. You look upon us as equals. You are powerful in your mercy and fair in your wrath. <coughs> Excuse me. You rage against injustice, the inequality within our nations and our world. We feel out of control to change things, but you, our Lord, are faithful. Help us to speak out for the voiceless, to give them a voice they don't feel they have. Help us to open our eyes to the injustices around us and prompt us to take that first step. Help us to learn from our own experiences. Help us to feel stronger to address the things that are affecting us so that we can be free to serve you as best we can. We know you see us, really see us. Not our external masks and fake feelings, but the inside. The core of our being with all its secrets, inadequacies and fears. You are our strength, our comfort and our protector. Our father, our guide and our hope for the future. Amen.
1: All these pieces
0: As we go out into our world, into our communities, into our work, into our jobs, I pray, Lord, that we would be searching for signs of injustice that we can pray about to you. Lord, we are very, very small in the scheme of things, but as Ben said, together we are a mighty army. We are your army on earth. Help us, Lord, to bring your kingdom, to release the oppressed, to battle against injustices and help us to address our own issues, injustices and problems so that we are free to do that. Father, be with us all this coming week, every hour, every minute, every second, and help us to remember to give glory to you always. Amen.